The U.S. Food and Drug Administration Center for Drug Evaluation and Research is sponsoring a public workshop on rare disease advocacy Monday, October 30th at the FDA's White Oak Campus in Silver Springs, Maryland. This workshop builds upon previous CEDAR patient advocacy public workshops and is primarily for the rare disease community members to help them effectively understand FDA's needs for enhanced drug development. This workshop will include case studies demonstrating the beneficial overlap of effective advocacy techniques, and FDA regulations in rare disease drug development. The workshop is free, but you must register in advance to attend. The event is co-sponsored by Global Genes. To learn more or to register, go to globalgenes.org forward slash FDA workshop. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Prometic Life Sciences is developing both plasma-derived and small-molecule therapeutics to address a number of rare diseases that are today without therapies. Its lead experimental therapeutic is Riplazim, which is purified human plasminogen that is being developed to treat congenital plasminogen deficiency. Plasminogen is a naturally occurring protein that plays a critical role in wound healing, cell migration, tissue remodeling, angiogenesis, and embryogenesis. We spoke to Pierre Lauren, president and CEO of Prometic, about Riplazim the challenges and benefits of deriving products from human plasma, and what else is moving through the company's pipeline. Pierre, thanks for joining us. Good morning. We're going to talk about Prometic, a, a rare condition known as congenital plasminogen deficiency, and, and your experimental therapy, Riplism, that's in clinical development. Let's start with the condition itself. What is congenital plasminogen deficiency? How rare is it? And, and how does the disease manifest itself? Uh, Danny, you know, if I could take uh, just a few seconds to explain uh, what everybody has experienced in their life, at least uh, once falling off the bicycle or the skateboard, and you have a nice strawberry on the knee, and you have this scab that forms after you start bleeding. And a few days later, it starts hitching around the scab, and pink skin grows, and the scab gradually peel off. The protein in our body that is responsible for healing that wound is plasminogen. So plasminogen is a master protein responsible for tissue regeneration, healing, but it also converts into plasmin to chew the fibrin to chew the scab. So patients, well, subjects or humans that are born with a plasminogen deficiency will have the tendency to form fibrous material, lignous fibrous material, in odd places in the body, and sometimes could be lethal actually, and and because they don't have the plasminogen to chew up those lesions. These lesions can appear in the eyes, nasopharynx, in the bronchial airway, uh, septum of the brain, uh, urinary tract, um, and as I said, in times it can be lethal, uh, such as you know, like causing hydrocephalus or uh, patients uh, unable to breathe because the lung collapse. It's um, it's a disease that manifests itself by having those type of lignous material 
uh, that uh, blocks uh, the um, uh, you know major part in the body. And what's the prognosis today for a patient with the condition? Are there any treatments available? Well, I mean, the standard of care today is, is surgery. I mean, um, the only available uh, approach is to remove those lesions by surgery, uh, but then the surgery itself is a trigger. It's an insult that the body responds with some more lesions. So, unfortunately, a lot of those patients have to recourse to multiple surgeries to remove those lesions. And um, it's it's quite a challenge for some of them. The most severe case uh, may have uh, over 50, 60, 70 surgeries by the time they reach adulthood. There are some locations where those lesions would appear that will be more life-threatening, such as in the airway. So that requires bronchoscopy under anesthesia. Not obvious. You're working on Riplism. What is Riplism and, and how do you produce it? Riplism. The trademark for um, uh, plasminogen is recovered from LT donors. So LT donors that provide plasma, uh, human plasma, collected and pool into large batches of plasma, and we extract plasminogen amongst many other proteins through our proprietary process that was co-developed with the American Red Cross. And uh, we therefore extract the, the protein, purify it, remove any viruses and pathogens that could be found. Uh, in donors, although those donors are all tested, uh, and you end up with a purified, isolated plasminogen in a vial that will then become available, um, uh, hopefully, once the FDA approves uh, the product. How much riplism does it take to, to treat a patient, and, and how is it dosed? Is this infused? Yes, it, it is a, a um, intravenous infusion. So um, the patient's will have a different dose depending on whether they are during uh, they're treated for an acute uh, case if if they are currently experiencing lesions that are um and we've seen we've recovered um, you know patients that were in ICU under life threatening situations where uh couldn't breathe and intubated and so on and few infusions and those patients were were going back home so during the acute phase when lesions are present um, you need to infuse every second day, every three days. Once those patients' lesions are gone, uh, the infusion frequency will vary to maybe two or three times a month, maybe fewer. It will be um, personalized dosing, personalized dosing based on severity, based uh, and this, this will be mostly managed by um, a, a hematologist, just like a, a bit like an hemophilia patient, really each patient being dosed uh, individually. And typically, how much blood donation do you need to treat a, a single patient uh, in a single dose? Well, you know, if you, if you take an average of one liter would, would contain um, uh, uh, about 100 milligram of plasminogen, and uh, you you would need uh, to uh, administer different dosing depending on the size of the patient because it's going to be a milligram per kilogram. It's six milligram per kilogram the dose, and therefore you'll have infant that will require a very uh, small amount, a full size adult a larger amount. It will also vary uh, depending on the severity of the condition. Some patients have clinical manifestation because they almost have no plasminogen in their body. Others have some, but not enough, so it doesn't take as much to uh, correct their uh, deficiency. So it, it's going to be a quite um, uh, huge variation patient to patient. 
Is supplying this any kind of a challenge? And what's the advantage to deriving it from human plasma rather than growing it as a recombinant product? Big advantage. Um, first of all, there's no uh, question mark as to whether the plasminogen recovered from Mrs. Wiggins is going to to behave the same way in uh, Mr. Smith. Uh, it's a endogenous protein manufactured by the human body, and uh, our process keeps the protein intact in its native form, and we don't have to demonstrate that uh, hiring a bug to grow a human protein using some genetic engineering produces the same protein. It is why we were able to uh, achieve a clinical trial with 15 patients demonstrating that, again, all the 15 patients receiving uh, the product had 100% success rate. It's because the protein is made by human, and we become called it the licensed broker to extract it from a healthy donor and give it to a patient that is, uh, that is otherwise compromised. So that's, that's uh, the main reason. Where, where are you in terms of the clinical development of Riplism, and, and what do we know about its safety and efficacy from the trials to date? Well, it, it's been a, an exceptional performance, and we're very grateful for the patients who participate in this study, and, and they're in turn as well grateful for the product to change their life. Uh, a lot of those patients, since they're on the therapy during the clinical trial, have not had any recurrence of a lesion. So it's been a 100% response rate in 100% of the patients participating in the trial, as well as those who were treated on a compassionate basis. So we have an amazing track record of no serious drug events related to plasminogen whatsoever and um, and 100% response rate. Uh, we have filed a BLA with the FDA uh, when they saw the data on the first 10 patients that had completed 12 weeks of treatment. That was enough to convince that we had a good grip on the dose regimen uh, and that we already had evidence of uh, clinical efficacy. We're monitoring more patients on a longer basis, and we announced not so long ago that the same 10 patients for which we filed the data with the FDA have had for 48 weeks no recurrence of their lesions when they were on, on that maintenance therapy. So very, very good uh, performance. No side effects have been reported so far. Uh, and, um, you know, we keep, we keep monitoring all those patients uh, around the world. We have some in the U.S., some in Canada, in the U.K., in, in Scandinavia and um, grateful for uh, that performance. Riplism not only has fast-track designation, but also orphan drug status, and you recently won rare pediatric disease designation. How significant do you see the potential for a rare pediatric disease voucher, and, and what does this mean to a company like yours? Well, it means a lot. In fact, I mean, the FDA had put this program in place as an incentive for, for companies to invest and um, take a risk in developing products for uh, pediatrics because they're very often a uh, forgotten uh, patient population. Uh, by providing that kind of incentive, as you know, a priority review voucher could either be used by ourselves for future product under development or could be sold to another company that uh, wish to take advantage of uh, the privilege of the voucher. Uh, so it creates um, a proper uh, environment to, uh, to, to, you know, to encourage companies to focus on that uh, patient group in need. Um, and it works. I mean, we will be back at it. We will be developing uh, other uh, therapies for neonates, 
Uh, and, um, you know, right now, uh, you know, this is a program that we intend to, uh, to take advantage of, uh, because in some cases, and the forthcoming indication in neonates, the indication per se in itself could not necessarily justify the return on investment. But with the voucher, uh, it makes more sense. And therefore, you'll have other patient populations serve better uh, with that, uh, that type of program. Any insight into how you expect the product to be priced at this point? Well, I mean, you know, it's, a, it's always a, a difficult question to answer, and not because I'm trying to avoid it. Uh, we explained just earlier in, in the question that uh, there's a huge variation in terms of need for products. Some patients will require more frequent dosing, and some patients will be far lighter than others, and therefore, uh, you can just expect uh, a fairly uh, wide uh, variation on the price. Um, Prometic has always made the contention of, of providing orphan drug therapies at affordable price. And uh, one of the advantages we have here is that the source material, the human plasma that we use to source those therapeutics, um, is, not, um, is not the sole earner. Eventually, we'll have other products extracted from the same source of protein, which will help gradually to allocate costs of manufacturing to more than one product. So Prometic not being a one-trick pony show, it will enable us to actually have a fairly reasonable pricing. Of course, this is not going to be priced as Motrin on the shelf, uh, but uh, it is it is one, one feature of uh, the platform that we have that will provide affordable products to, uh, to uh, the patient. And any guess on to what the possible timeline is for an approval in the United States or discussions with European regulators? Yeah, well, we uh, we are expecting to, uh, to be uh, in commercial mode um, by uh, the end of Q1 2018 uh, in the USA, um, and uh, we expect to uh, be launching in Canada about a quarter uh, behind that, mid-18. Uh, we have been in discussions with uh, the EMA and uh, looking to uh, prepare for filing in Europe as well. You could probably look at Europe uh, lagging about a year behind uh, North America. Uh, there's also discussions ongoing in Japan. And, uh, you know, we know that there are some patients in need in a few other countries. And, and some countries could probably have access to uh, the product as soon as it's approved in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, there's some name patient basis program that can uh, help the company uh, provide those patients in need in other countries until such time as the regulation, uh, the package is fully approved in, in those uh, other countries. We are also looking at other indications to pursue with plasminogen because plasminogen congenital deficiency is affecting about 2,000 patients in the U.S. Uh, but there's also the acquired plasma deficiency. This is a problem where you have an acute deficiency of plasminogen, like severe burn patients, uh, patients who would have like a acute lung injury. And, and those patients would require plasminogen supplementation for maybe a week, two weeks at the max to help them overcome their, their, their tragedy, their, their trauma. Uh, but it's um, it's also therefore uh, additional orphan indication that uh, Prometic will be pursuing, um, and will be making a more announcements as the 
as we progress with our program. And you're not only developing blood-derived therapies, but also more conventional small molecule drugs. What does the rest of the pipeline look like? Well, I mean, again, uh, a fabric of Prometic is to focus on on that medical need. Uh, we have a small molecule for which PBI uh, 4050 is the product code for which we just recently been granted green light by the FDA to initiate a pivotal phase two three trial in idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, so IPF, uh, affecting 130,000 people in the U.S. Um, quite difficult uh, disease to uh, to treat, and um, for which two products have been approved. Uh, those two products are not curing the disease; they're slowing down the uh, the progression of the disease, and therefore patients gradually still lose functionality of their lung. Our phase two trial performed across centers in Canada showed that we were stabilizing those patients. So we look forward to repeating this in a larger trial across Canada, U.S., Australia, Europe. And these trials will, will start um, in, in the coming months. So very excited about uh, uh, the prospect of bringing a solution for IPF patients as well. Pierre Lauren, President and CEO for Medic Pierre. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Danny. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.